Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Matrix. Game Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode 212, and today we're going to be talking about The Matrix. This great and fantastic film stars Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, Hugo Weaving, and the absolutely gorgeous Carrie Ann Moss. Uh, I am your pinch-hitting host, Steve Michaels, standing in for the uh, uh, intrepid Mark Slover. And joining me is my good and dear friend. Ken, I took the blue pill, and it gave me dry mouth, nausea, diarrhea, constipation, and an erection that lasted for four hours. Rony. Steve, this is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You drink the shitty beer, and the story ends. Then you wake up with a hangover in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the good beer, and you stay on the podcast... And I will show you just how deep this rabbit hole goes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well played. All right. Uh, and uh, also joining us is our uh, always favorite, the Reverend Deuteronomy Skaggs. As you can see, we have had our eyes on you for some time now, Mr. Michaels. It seems you've had been living two lives. In one life, you are Stephen Michaels. An administrator for a respectable organization. You have a social security number. You pay your taxes occasionally. <laughs> and your neighbors get liquored up every weekend. <laughs> the other life is lived on the web. Where you go by the podcaster alias Polander. <laughs> and you are guilty of almost every crime against good taste that is possible. <laughs> one of these lives has a future, and one of them does not. Damn, I thought that was Hugo Weaving sitting on the other side. <laughs> you know, I, I, I worked got, on that, man. I got a little creeped out there for a second. I'm like, <laughs> next thing I know, he's going to like slam me on the table and drop something in my belly button, so... Let's, uh, let's talk about that. That's what I had happened to me last week, man. So yeah, well, I heard. Yeah, we heard you had uh, heard you had a little uh, invasive surgery, but uh, no, they popped one of those back into my gut, ugh. sticking out. I'm wearing the man girdle right now. It's a pretty picture, you know, sweaty t-shirt, shorts, and a man girdle, sweaty yellow t-shirt. All right, folks. Well, uh, uh, like I said, I am pinch hitting for Mark. Mark has uh, Mark's been Mark's had a hard week, and he is out of town this weekend. As always, uh, retired but not gone, and always willing to step in and take the helm. Uh, because, as I said, you know, we, we put a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and tears, and uh, 
a few broken keyboards into this uh, podcast, so we're we're gonna keep uh, we're gonna keep it going as long as possible. But uh, so he's out he's out of town this week, and um, our other good and dear friend uh, and uh, co-founder of the show, Jeff. What's his last name? I can't remember. Jeff something. Sound. It, it reminds me of the name of a city in Indiana. Musy. Musy. Yeah. Macy. Um, Macy. Yeah. He's he may pop in. I don't know. I mean, he may just be one of those where all of a sudden, like uh, one of the agents in this movie, just takes over. He may just pop into. Uh, but anyway, he may show up. He, we don't know yet. But anyway, uh, folks, we're going to be talking about the Matrix, and this is one of those movies that when we uh, we talked about it, I actually had to go back to the Beecham Files because I couldn't remember. I'm like, did we didn't we do this? I was kind of shocked. Uh, over five years, we never got to the Matrix. I think we talked about it a few times. Uh, I just it, again, it's one of those. Just no, it is one that we've mentioned a number of times yeah. and almost pulled the plug. Yeah, and no pun intended. So here we are. We're going to do it because it's streaming. Actually, all of the uh, the the sequels are also streaming now on Netflix. So if you haven't seen it, and I'd be surprised if you haven't. But and again, if you haven't, maybe it's not your uh, cup of tea. But uh, it's a good show. I will preface this right off the bat, guys. Very first time I saw this movie, uh, I went to the theater with Mark. This is when it came out. This was in the theaters. So Mark and I go to the theater, and I'm sure you, I know you guys have heard this story, but our listeners haven't. So we sit down. We got our popcorn. We got our you know uh, diet cokes. Um, I think I had a regular coke. Who knows? So we're sitting there watching the movie, and I don't know what it was. I don't know if at some point Mark and I were too busy checking out the hot chicks in aisle four, seat three, or what. But I remember at the end of the movie, we both kind of looked at each other and just said, what was that? We had, I mean, we literally walked out. We went to the Applebee's across the street, sat at the bar, had about 15 beers between us and trying to figure out what was it we just saw? Because it didn't make any sense to us. And I, I'm kidding about the 15 beers and the hot chicks. But it just, I don't know, there was something about this movie that when we initially saw it, it didn't make a bit of sense. And again, I, I think there's, and I don't know what it is, but there's a central part of this movie that just, if you don't get it right, this movie really doesn't make sense. And I remember watching it again, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, click. And you're like, oh, oh, okay, I know what's going on. And after that, I was kind of hooked into it. And then when they did the sequels, they did uh, Reloaded and Revolutions. So I immediately went out, saw all those. Um, I enjoyed Reloaded. I thought it was really good because they brought in some new characters, which I really liked. Revolutions, again, it's one of those where the, we, we could turn this into like a, a five-hour podcast talking about all of them. Um, I would prefer to do... If we're going to do this one, at some point, honestly, guys, I would like to do the other two because I don't think you could just do this one and do it justice for the whole series because there are things good and bad to say about the others. But um, I think this is a, uh, I think for the time it was made, and you kind of forget when you watch it, this was, what, 90, 99? 99. 99. So this, I mean, this movie's going on 20 years old, so it's it's getting up there. And at the time it came out, it was pretty groundbreaking in terms of uh, special effects and and just the storyline, just the way it was, just the way it was filmed. And you had some um, 
Well, yeah, Keanu Reeves, who is, I mean, even in 99 was a well-known star. Lawrence Fishburne, you know, veteran actor. No one, I don't think anybody knew who the hell, uh, <laughs> anyone knew who Hugo Weaving was at the time. And, um, I don't know, Carrie Ann Moss, I always knew her because I just thought she was, like, gorgeous. But anyway, that not, that notwithstanding, uh, I thought it was a great movie. But um, but but we're here to talk about this bad boy. So, um, Brian, I want to open it up to you. Um, just initial thoughts. You know, what did you think about it when you first saw it? Do you have any ideas in terms of or any thoughts? Did you do you feel the same way about it the first time you saw it as you do now, or that type of thing? Why did you go, Brian? Oh, yeah, you got to take your mic off. Yeah. Um. I didn't see this movie in the cinema. I probably saw it several years later. And uh, I, I've never been a big cyberpunk guy. I mean, I, I like science fiction. I do. But I've just, for whatever reason, never been, been a big cyberpunk guy. That said, I mean, this is like Plato's Republic, man feeling around in a cave. What is reality? Perception's reality. Philosophically, this is kind of, in a certain sense, it's kind of groundbreaking. Uh, you know, the idea you're, you're putting... Plato's Republic on TV, you know, in a movie, um, which again, I don't, most people are like, huh, what? But, uh, but I thought that was interesting. Um, special effects were exceptional. Carrie Ann Moss in a freaking, you know, black leather thing is just, you know, off the charts. And plus, that's my whole brunette thing. Yep. Uh, give her a gun and, and I'm just, just, you know, I'm squealing at that point. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm serious. It's like every, you know, like, you know, it's like perfect. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I saw this movie in parts over the years on TV. And, and honestly, I, I think I mentioned this before the podcast. I'd, I'd never seen the first five minutes of the movie, I don't think. Uh, that said, that, the movie, I think, probably was designed to stand alone. You mentioned the sequels, but I don't think there's any way in the world they, they would have expected this movie to, to get the legs under it that it got. So my assumption was the end of the movie was going to be the end of the movie. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the Wachowski sisters now, instead of brothers, um, wow. I don't know if you read that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, not going there. Well, I know we're not going there, but it's just, you know, I, I was actually looking up the Wachowski brothers and I'm like, huh, what? They're sisters now. But, uh, anyway, they're, uh, they're, they're actually my favorite movie they did is, is the, the movie V for Vendetta with Hugo Weaving. Um. Uh, and it's a bizarre movie. Uh, well, it's not bizarre. It's just a different movie. But I, I, I enjoyed it really just because of weaving. And weaving stands out in this movie, uh, in my opinion. Uh, the movie, uh, when I played it back, I had to put a headset on because it was so quiet for the most part. I could barely hear it on my on my Mac or on my iPad uh, because for the, a lot of this movie, they're just whispering almost. Yeah. Uh, again, just one of the things I noticed. But, you know, I liked it. Uh, it's uh, again. It took me several years before I really saw it, so it's kind of where I'm at right now on it. But uh, just that's kind of my some of my thoughts. Go ahead. Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk's a whole genre of science fiction, uh, and this is a good example of it. But I think most people give. Uh, I mean, the origin, the, the probably the first big cyberpunk story was. Uh, William Gibson's uh, Neuromancer. Neuromancer. Back in the 
early, well, that'd be late 80s, I think. Um, might have been early 80s. Late, well, back in the 80s. Uh, and then there's been a, there's always been cyberpunk out there. Snow and, Crash uh, by Neil Stevenson is a great cyberpunk novel. Right, right. Uh, it's out there. It's a whole genre. I mean, we can name some other movies. A good cyberpunk <clears throat> movie uh, from the same period uh, with Keanu Reeves in it is Johnny Mnemonic. Uh, not, I'm not going to say it's a great movie, but it's a good example of a cyberpunk movie. And cyberpunk is filtered through science fiction in general. There's a lot of kind of mainstream sci-fi that's cyberpunkish. And, you know, I think the elements of, you know, cyberpunk uh, is highlighted here. It's very big on the you know, integration with computers, you know, matrixy type web things, uh, Dark, it's usually a dark future. It's usually not the happy future. It's usually gritty and people on the edge of society. Uh, this is a, again, this is a cyberpunk story. Uh, so that's my little spiel on cyberpunk. Uh, it's usually very noirish as well. Yes. It's I mean, I know, I just remember back in my days of working at boardroom games selling RPGs back in that period. Uh, about the time this thing came out, Shadowrun was a big role-playing game. It was like cyberpunk D and D. It was a real a bizarre game, but it was popular. Uh, and the Wachowskis were apparently big role players. They played D and D. They played those games. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. They had a lot of influences. D and D influenced them. Uh, Hong Kong action movies. It uh, got them. Uh, Another cyberpunk line that evidently they really admired was anime, and in particular, Ghost in the Shell, which was out right before this came out. So uh, if if you've never seen Ghost in the Shell, the actual series, not the recent movie, well, the recent movie would be cyberpunk too. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the uh, series is actually a very good series. Uh, You know, Japanese anime is out there. some other things I just like to say about this movie is I saw it by myself. I think you guys probably saw it about the same time I did. I went out when it first came out. I went by myself, had the same reaction. Like, what the hell? And then when I saw it the second time, everything clicks. I mean, at that first time, well, the thing is, it's a, it's a genre bending start. I mean, you're watching this and you think you know what you're watching. You think you know sort of where this, you think, you know, I think it's a gritty tech, you know, gritty hacker story, you know, with cops and, you know, people on the edge. And then all of a sudden it goes, bam, and takes you off this whole different direction, which was a stroke of genius. This thing is well-written. It's smart. Like Brian said, I mean, it's very philosophical. They go into, you know, high levels of, you know, much more than you normally would get in, in a mainstream movie of philosophy. Um, I will say that in my opinion, I thought it was perfectly good in this movie. I think that the sequels started taking themselves too seriously and went too deep and got kind of pretentious in 
that area. But that's me. Your, you know, your views may vary. Uh, some other points about this. It was, uh, filmed in Australia. A lot of the supporting cast are Australians. Uh, you know, the main headliners you mentioned, everybody except, uh, weaving is either Canadian or American, but uh, a lot of the other supporting cast is. I mean, the scenes are filmed, I believe, in Sydney and in the Sydney area. Uh, CGI for its day was groundbreaking. Yeah. See, and that, that can, it, not it still, it still holds up. Yeah. The, the CGI for this time is still, it's hard to watch this movie and realize this is almost 20 years old. Actually, to be honest with you, not to get into it, but watching some of the CGI today almost looks cartoonish compared to this. But I don't want. Yes. To, I don't, I'm not. I don't want to get into that. I don't want to step on your shoulders. But that was like, ugh. That's a good point. It this holds up. This definitely holds up. Well, and they they used a lot of subtle techniques. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example. Anytime you're in the Matrix, you had that sort of green tint, slightly yep. green tint. When when you're in the Matrix, everybody looked cool and suave, and they had, you know, cutting-edge sunglasses and fancy duds. And then when you're in the real world, it's gritty and greasy and grimy, and their hair's a mess, <laughs> and they're, you know, they need a, a good shower. They look like homeless uh, people, yes. Yeah, so I thought that was great. Uh I do Which they were, mention, by the way. Yeah, well, what? that's true. <laughs> they were homeless right? people. They were homeless people, technically. Yeah, they were. Uh, a thing that I talked to, I know if Mark was here, he'd probably talk about it, too. He and I, the year before this came out, went out and watched a movie called Dark City. Have you guys seen Dark City? Believe it or not, I own it, but I have never watched it. I bought it cheap. But that isn't, uh, what's his name, Sutherland in that? It's Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. And, uh, he's the biggest star in it, but. Reviews were it's good. Very, it's in the same genre as this. Very, the feel is a lot like this. There's commentary out there that like, did, you know, did they borrow aspects of this when writing the Matrix or not? There's a lot of similarities. As a matter of fact, I mean, they filmed it in the same places uh, in Australia. But I will put in a plug here. If if you're a viewer or listener, I should say, and you like The Matrix and you have not seen Dark City, check it out. It's a movie worth catching. Ken, I would argue that that, uh, Blade Runner was the first big cyberpunkish movie before there was such a thing as cyberpunk. Well, you know, that, I agree. Yeah. Blade well, Runner is definitely a cyberpunk movie. Okay, well, you know, that kind of gets back to a whole conversation we had, like, I don't know, three, four years ago when we were talking about movies like uh, Blade Runner and Total Recall. And it's like, are these sci-fi or is this future world or is this, you know, and we got into that whole discussion as to, you know, what really constitutes sci-fi? Do you have to have space travel and aliens or, you know, what is it? Because, you know, like, you look at Blade Runner, and, um, and, our, and again, not to get off on a sidetrack, but I remember, um, you know, at one point I kept I kept telling my daughter and boyfriend, I said, you got to watch Blade Runner. And he could say, you know, they were like, and at that point they were, I think my daughter was like 
18, 19, my, you know, the boyfriend's 20, 21. They sat down and watched it. <clears throat> my daughter now is in love with that movie. She's like, oh my, she cannot wait for the sequel to come out. And I'm sitting there going, oh God. Because I, I've already watched the trailers and I'm depressed. But it, not to get on a sidetrack, but that's the thing. I mean, to me, Blade Runner holds up. I mean, it's one of those movies that, uh, you know, it's, uh, good Lord, it's what, 35 years ago now? At least. Uh, and it holds up. I mean, because that's why I remember, he, you know, when uh, her, uh, my daughter's boyfriend asked, he goes, when was this made? I said, uh, 81, 82. And he goes, and he just yeah. like, stared at me. He's like, are you kidding? I'm like, yeah. I said, hell, I was, I just, I just was like starting uh, high school when this came out. He couldn't believe that that was a movie that was made that long ago that looked that good. And, and I, it is funny because we could talk about that now with movies like The Matrix, where personally, I think the special effects and the CGI, and the thing of it is, that's the thing about the CGI, Ken, it's not in your face. And, and I'm going to go to a scene, that one scene, remember when they were rescuing Morpheus from the, from the tower? And there's that scene, Carrie Ann Miller's flying the helicopter, and there's that one scene where you could see her, she's like banking it around, it looks like she's flying the freaking helicopter. Now, you know she's yeah. not, but it looks like she, I mean, it. you would just go, yeah, she's she's flying that thing. Now, I don't know if it was green screen, CGI, or whatever, but... That, it, that was just camera angles. And there was a guy in that helicopter flying it, but they had him probably leaning way over, okay, and you couldn't yeah. see him with that camera angle. Well, and you know what? It looked great, because that's even better because it's practical effect, and it looked fantastic, and I, I'm sorry, but um, I'm going to be doing a, I'll be doing a, a little bit of a review later on about the, the King Arthur movie that I watched. Good God. And it's like, I, I, I'm almost to the point with the CGI. It's like, you know what, please go, go back to the old stuff because it just starts looking like I'm watching a, a Warner Brothers cartoon movie. It's just not fun anymore. There's, it just doesn't even look realistic where you watch something like this and it's, and, and you almost believe they're doing it. You know, so again, well, that's, and again, I, and, and I know we're, well, actually, we're not really getting off the track. We're talking about the movie and, you know, how well it holds up to today. So, um, I, I want to throw out, it's trivia, but it's on point of what you're talking about. A, a good CGI versus bad CGI. And if you're in this movie, remember the scene where, you know, Neo's, you know, they decide, okay, you have to go into the training program yeah. to figure out what's going on. And Morpheus takes them into the training program, and he runs into the woman in the red dress. Yep. The Wachowskis went to a whole lot of trouble to film that scene of rounding up twins. That entire scene is twins with the idea that, you know, the background story was when, you know, what's his name, Mouse, the programmer, was programming that simulation, he just basically did a cut and paste on a, a couple dozen people to yeah. make a big scene. So next time you watch it, don't pay attention to the woman in the red dress, pay attention to everybody else, and you'll see they're twins. They're, there's only like, you know, ten people, but there's well, multiple copies. Yeah, And that's a problem with CGI in a lot of movies is just because you can multiply your numbers easily, it doesn't mean it helps. 
Right. And my, you know, the, 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 the time I've gone you know, off on a rant on a uh, podcast on this was, uh, Lord of the Rings Return of the King. You oh, know, yeah. the battle of, in the big battle scene there at the fields. Yeah. Where the writers Rohan come up. Well, in the books, and actually in the movie, they've been going on and on about how, oh, there's so few of us. There's hardly anybody here. How will we be able to take on such numbers? And then they ruin it. I hate to say it, Peter Jackson, you did for me. By going, okay, now let's pan back. And you see rank on rank, row on row, you know, 50,000 riders of Rohan out there getting ready to charge. It's like, no, you don't have to show 50,000. Show two or three, that's perfectly adequate, and it'll work. But rant off. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. I understand. So anyway, um, you know, I was going to say we could probably talk about some of the actors in this movie, but, I mean, we know most of them. I mean, obviously, you know, Keanu Reeves, he's been around. Uh, he was around well before this movie came around. And, and, and like I said, I mean, it's, he's, he's that kind of actor that was, uh, fitted perfectly for this role, or at least the way the role was written. He is the perfect fit for it. Um, you know, come to think about it, we talk about Lawrence Fishburne. I mean, he, that's, that's a guy that was kind of big, like in the late 80s, 90s, and he seemed like he just kind of fell off the face of the map. I don't know. What do you oh, he's still out there. He's still I, working. Is, is he still working? Okay. Because I don't see him yeah. much. Maybe, or maybe it's stuff I'm just not looking at. But, um, I mean, Hugo Weaving, obviously, uh, I don't think this is the, and maybe this is what kind of brought him to the, uh, the forefront. Because after this, uh, the next thing you saw him in was Lord of the Rings. He was in all of those. Mm-hmm. So, well, he, he had built up a rep, a solid reputation in Australia. And that, you know, that got him, I'm pretty sure, this role. Again, they filmed it in Australia, and he was a, a good character to have. But this definitely broke him into the American, you know, awareness. And he's been pretty busy since. He has a lot of presence. Yeah. Just, I don't know whatever it is about him. But, uh, again, like I said, I, I, I really, and again, other folks, I, I talk to people about V for Vendetta, and, the people I talk to either hate it or they love it. And most of the people that love it are of a, of a fairly, I don't know what the word is I'm going to use, but, but, uh, uh, far in political position. And whereas most of my friends who are, I consider more stable, like I hate that damn movie, but I love that movie, but I, I love it in part because of weaving. He is just incredible in the movie. I mean, he does the whole movie behind a mask. And I, I, again, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but I, no. I, I, that movie's on TV. I, I'm just like, okay, you know, time out. Everybody get away from me. I'm watching the rest of this movie. I've, even I've got, seen it. I, I really enjoy that movie, but I enjoy it entirely because it's got a great English cast in it, by the way, which I, I always, you know, you got to get English. John Hurt's in it. Uh, but I, I like that movie. I really do, but I like it because weaving is just brilliant. I'll tell you somebody in this movie who you only, maybe you do or don't know, but a guy named, I think his name's Robert Taylor. Yep. Who's the other agent. Yep. You know where I'm going with this, Steve? I know where you're going with it. Cause I was going to bring it up he, next, but run with he it. He is in frickin' Longmire, yep. which I 
love Longmire. Uh, you know, Longmire's, you know, he plays a, yep. you know, a Western sheriff and he's, he's aged. He is definitely aged. Uh, oh, yeah. I look at him in this movie. I'm like, that's not Longmire. That can't be. <laughs> you know, but, I, I was the same way when I start watching Longmire. I'm like, that guy looks really familiar. <laughs> I'm like, where's yeah. he from? I love Longmire, but I shout out to a friend of mine named Brian Personette. He loves it too, but I love Longmire. I just love that show. And, and, you know, he's an Aussie playing a basically like a Oklahoma yep. or, or Wyoming or something. My, Montana, I think. Mont- yeah. Uh, no, they're in, but uh, I, I think they're in Wyoming. I okay. Could be. Yeah. They're in Wyoming. But, but you would never guess. And again, you, I mean, you're great actors. You, you can't, but you'd never guess he's an Aussie. And you, you, and the last movie, the last movie you would ever thought he would have been in was Matrix. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, and not to get off on a tangent, but Mark, I, I, I've been watching Longmire since it came out, and I'm telling you, I am really getting to dislike him. And, and the, his I have char- not seen I, the last season. Yeah, his character, you, you start getting to the point where it's like, you know what, you're starting to become a dick. You're, you're starting to, you know, it's like, you know what, there, there's times when you have to bend the rules for your friends, especially the friends that bent the rules for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, oh, it, it, I'm really, and again, I don't want to get off on that, but I just had to throw that out there. But yeah, I've been watching that. As a matter of fact, I think, who the hell canceled it? And then somebody picked it up because there was like this huge... A, a, a and E, I believe, had it originally. Then Netflix picked it up. Netflix picked it up. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's a great series. Well, it's a fantastic series. Um, I love I, I've got to ask a question, sure. and that is, I watched the first season of that, and I was getting a vibe going like, I could watch the next season, but I don't know if this is going to go someplace. Yeah, it's worth I mean, watching. It it will. Is it, it is, it's worth following up on because it's, it's like four seasons in now, isn't it? It's very slow pace. Probably five. I yeah. mean, first two seasons I think were A and E. The second, third, or the third, fourth, maybe fifth. Is on Netflix. Uh, I saw the first season on Netflix. I have not picked up the others yet, but I plan on kind of binge watching it. Yeah. But it's a very slow, to a certain extent, it's fairly slow paced. Uh, it's very. Slow it's paced. well, that's why that's why it got canceled. A and E is it just you know they're they're they were trying to market to a younger crowd and they, you know their demographic. It was their second highest ranked series on A and E, but the demographic was. 45 plus, yeah. as I recall. That was the, the killer for it. Right. Well, and, well, I, I'd like to, uh, pull away from Longmire for a second and throw out a, uh, <laughs> reference to, uh, Yugo Weaving. And we're talking about Weaving. Sure. Uh, recent movie that's man cave worthy, I believe, that he was in, and I thought he did a very nice job, was Hacksaw Ridge. Oh, which I haven't seen. That? I, have, I haven't seen it yet. Worth I've heard that. great things. No, we ought to we ought to do it sometime. Uh, I do want to just you know I think you kind of we kind of gave Keanu Reeves kind of short shrift. I mean I'll, I'll just, I want to put in a plug that you know he is a very versatile actor and he can do all kinds of things. He got sort of he got a reputation I think early on as kind of a lightweight because like his Bill and Ted series and things like that. But he's not. I mean, obviously, he's matured, and uh, I think the last thing we did with with him in it was John Wick. Yes. Well, I think actually, I, I don't think he got billed as a lightweight. I think a lot of the work that he's done since Bill and Ted, he's this very stoic, 
if you will, type character, almost like unemotional. I mean, you watch him in this. I mean, he's there's like no emotion in him. He's not. I mean, I mean, you see that even in all the sequels. Um, he's never. He never gets upset. He's never. I mean, he's just very almost Vulcanist, if I can use that term. Um, and if it's not out there, I just invented that one too, folks. But what I'm saying is that he he's a very stoic type character. He, it, it, uh, he was like that in John Wick. Um, I haven't seen John Wick too, but I heard it's fantastic. So we we definitely have to do that one at some point. But I mean, I I never disliked Keanu Reeves. I mean, I think he is a good actor for the roles he's played, and I think he is one of those guys that picks certain roles that he knows fits him. I mean. You're not going to see him now do a comedy. You know, somebody said, "Hey, do this rom com." He's going to be like, "I'm going to, I'm going to pass." I, I just don't. Well, I mean, he, you know what I'm saying? He has done rom coms. When the the replacements is kind of a rom com. The replacements. Yeah, where he played a uh, after the football strike. He played a quarterback. That's actually one of my wife's favorite movies. I okay. like it. It's a okay. fun movie. All right. Well, yeah, I think what is that? There's a Diane Keaton, Jack Nicholson. Oh, but that's... Rom-com that, he was yeah, in like 10, uh, 15 years ago. Oh, yeah, he played the doctor. Yeah, 10, 15 years ago. But I think he's kind of in a different mold now. You know what I'm saying? Hey, maybe. You're you know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, because you had Jack Nicholson always played like lunatic crazy guy. And then, you know, he played, you know, and then he went on his comedy route. I I mean, I've always, I mean, I've got nothing against Counter Reeves. I, I mean, I think he's a solid actor. I like the fact He takes that a lot of hits. Yeah. But I like him. And he shouldn't because, you know, the guy keeps a low profile. I think he is one of those working actors. He goes out there, he does his job, and, he, and that's it. It's like he takes his paycheck, goes home, and, and, you know, he's not out there doing interviews and spewing bullshit. It's like, all right. Because the thing that is, you look at, and it's always interesting about him. You never read about him in anything. You don't hear about him in you know, any tabloids or anything like that. It's almost like this guy, he goes out, does movies, and all of a sudden, Dude disappears, which you know, good for him, because I think Wait. when I think when you're at that, yeah, yeah at that, I agree. Yeah, I think when you're at that level and you can do that, good for you, man. Because man, I, you know, I I respect a lot of guys that can do that. Um, I think the ones that literally climb on every freaking talk show or interview they can do, it's just like you guys are narcissists. You just want to be a, you just want attention. Whereas I think. I think Keanu Reeves is one of those guys where he is just literally hanging up on phone calls, saying, be in my movie. No, not interested. Because I think he's a solid actor. I've always thought that from him. Yeah, he's not going to show up on Oprah. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, so there you go. I mean, there's our tribute to Keanu Reeves. I, I've never had any big issues with him. So, um, yeah, And I, I will... Uh... Give Larry uh, Lawrence Fishburne a uh, little mention. I know you said he hasn't done much, but yet he he's busy, and uh, he was just in John Wick too. For what you mentioned, that's right. He was. I. I. And I. I am remiss for saying that because I saw the trailer and he's in that. So, which is actually kind of neat because I almost want. There's going to be a trivia piece about that in John Wick too. That those two were both in the Matrix. Yeah, and. uh a, another movie that he was in not that long ago, which I've proposed as a man cave review, is Predators. 
the he was Adrian Predator. Brody Predator movie. Who's good? Oh, that's right. No, he was. He was the crazy dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But well, anyways, he, um, he, he's been on, he's done a lot of TV recently. I think he was like the lead on CSI for the last few years. I don't know if that's still on TV. I never really watched it, yeah. but he was the no, main he's guy. Doing a that. Couple, he's got a couple roles every year. But now we, Steve, we, we know, I, all the listeners really want to know, you know, they don't care about Keanu Reeves and what you think about Lawrence Fishburne. You need to talk a little bit about Carrie Ann Moss. <laughs> yes. Take it away. Well, you know what? This is a um, it's a family show, so I really can't. <laughs> no, actually, I will confess, this is actually the very first movie I ever saw Carrie Ann Moss in, and I was like, literally like slumped in the chair, tongue hanging, and I was like, oh my God, she is gorgeous. So I've, <clears throat> and excuse me, I've seen her in a couple of other movies other than this. I mean, I just think she's very attractive. Um, I saw her in um, this movie called Memento, which is like a really bizarre movie. It's it's kind of weird. Yes. And yes. Christopher, uh, what's his name? Uh, did uh, Dunkirk, I think, right? Christopher Nolan? Yeah, I think Nolan did Memento. Did he do that? Okay. I think and, so. Um, I saw her. It was. I had Guy Pierce and uh, yeah, Guy Joe Pierce. Pantoliano, yeah, who was yeah. also I, in this movie. I, I think it was a very well thought of movie. I've not seen it. Yeah, Joey Pants, Joey Pantol. Those two, I supposedly, are very, very good friends. So, but well, this uh, was. I mean, she she gives this movie credit for everything she's done since. Uh, before this, she'd done a you know she's Canadian. She'd done a variety of roles, you know, small movies. But then she hit this, and then for a period of years, she was very busy. Uh, and she's still busy. I mean, she's doing a movie or two a year. And uh, like I say, a very attractive woman. And someone who you know, obviously was able to put in a lot of hard work doing the scenes and the moves and you know the wire foo and everything that they had to do to pull this thing off. Well, I'll tell you what, there, there's one thing that I want to point out, again, not jumping ahead, but I think it was in the sequel, she broke her leg. Really? Yeah, she broke her leg doing one of the stunts in the sequel. So, um, you know, I, I give her props. I mean, I, I mean, she's, um, you know, I, I mean, I look, I look at pictures of her now and I'm sitting there thinking, it's like, damn, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, actually, I am almost a month older than her. Holy crap, she's born in August 21, 67. Yeah, I'm thinking she's like 70 now. <laughs> All right, see, where's the disconnect for... Wow. Son of a bitch. I will say a movie she was in shortly after this, which... It wasn't a going. great movie, but I, I watched it. Visually, it's... I liked it visually, which was yes. Red Planet. Red yes. Planet could have been a great movie. Yeah, too. It could yes, been, it could have been. It could have, but been it a wasn't. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, no. But she did a good job in it. Yeah, considering no, the, considering the cast she had to work with. But whatever. Velvet. Well, what's his name? Tom, what's his name was in it before yeah, he so, 
finally went out on his drug-addled craziness. Well, that's uh, probably because Tom, Tom Sizemore. Because he was already drug-addled and crazy in the movie, probably. But, uh, but I, I, you know what? If that dude's in a movie, I'm watching it. I like him in movies. I like him too, he's a, but man, he's nuts. God, he just he went off the deep end. But anyway. he's like Randy Quaid crazy. <laughs> he is now. So, all right, guys. Um, Steve, uh, Steve, yeah. I had just have one final question for sure, you when we're talking sure. about actors. Yes, because this is again dear to your heart. Yep. If Trinity from The Matrix, played by Carrie Ann Moss, had to get into a battle to the death with Alice. From Resident Evil, played by you know who. Oh, I know how that goes. Who would win? Oh, that's easy for Steve. No, it's not. I don't think. So. I think it is. Can I get back to you on this? Oh my, Andre, <laughs> run, run, run your algorithms. Get back I, with I, me. I, that that's actually kind of a tough one because is is Carrie Ann Moss in her Matrixy type thing? And well, yeah, yeah. Ooh. See, I'm all Carrie and Moss on that one. I don't know. Alice has got the T virus, so oh man, that's that. Wow, that's interesting. That's. I thought it'd be a good challenge for you. I'm surprised. Do your research. You come back on the next yeah, podcast yeah. and give your your verdict. Yeah, I might. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to go there. All right. Well, there we go. Um, guys, soundtrack. What do we think about soundtrack in this movie? I don't know if there's so much of a soundtrack as there was ambient music. Would you say? Yeah. yeah. I didn't really notice it. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't really a soundtrack. There was. In the beginning, they had music, the end, yeah. but it was just for dramatic effect and all. I don't, you know, I don't think anybody's going out and buying the Matrix soundtrack. They're going to buy the Revolution soundtrack, though. What's that? The one that's got the rave? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they'll go buy that, that one. Kind of I have to admit, the visuals in this movie are so, so overwhelming in, in a sense that the music could be a distraction. If you really try to make a soundtrack a big deal, because again, the visual in this movie, as we've already said, they hold up, uh, they would be as, as valid today as they were literally 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and the music to me, it literally is, could, could be a distraction. And I think, you know, again, I, I'm not a nut about this movie. Let's make that real clear. But I also consider it a groundbreaking movie. Um, uh, and, uh, I, I think that if they'd have put too much in the soundtrack, it would have taken away from what you saw visually and not, not just visually. I mean, this movie is, I mean, there's some pretty high level philosophical stuff they're talking about in this movie. That they're they're making for the public. Well, Brian, I just I just want to jump in real quick before we move on because I don't want to drag this out. But you had made a comment earlier in the show about, um, you know, this should have been the end. I don't think they ever saw this thing really going anywhere. I I kind of disagree with that because there was a point if you were really and and this is the thing, folks. If you really pay attention to the dialogue, because the dialogue in this movie. The things that are being said at specific times are very, very important. And I'm going to point this out. The scene when Morpheus is uh, being interrogated and Agent Smith, Hugo Weaving, 
is talking about. He's basically laying out what the matrix is, why it is, why we created this environment. And if you listen to what he's saying, you start getting, you start understanding, especially when the sequels come along, particularly the second one. The second one is where it all comes in together. And we, we could talk about that at some point if we ever do the sequels. But, I mean, that scene when he tells him about how we took over and why we created the environment we did for you, he's, he's kind of pretty much right there laying out the whole purpose of the Matrix and why it is the way it is. And so I kind of think they were laying out a, uh, a storyline for the rest of the movies. And like I said, whether they were, you know, uh, done well or whatever, eh, you know, that, that's a whole, that's a whole nother discussion. I personally thought the sequels were pretty good. I thought the second one was pretty solid. The third one, I had some issues with it, but, um, you know, overall, I, I, I thought they were pretty good. But I, I don't, I think this literally was set up to be a series, if you will, or a trilogy. But again, that that's my two cents. Well, and, and I, honestly, I, I I don't know. I mean, I, and I certainly haven't watched it with as much of a nuanced eyes as you guys have, or as you have. Uh, but you know, I, my assumption is that the director makes a movie. He's like, I got one shot at this. You know, hopefully it won't fail. You know, you know, if I'm really smart, I'm going to put enough. Uh, what do they call it? Nuggets, not nuggets, but. Uh, little hidden things in here that, that I can make five or six or seven of them. But at the same time, they're like, okay, I got one and done. And, you know, people should be happy with this. They can live with it. You know, Neo's going to rule the world then, or at least we're going to assume that. But at the same time, I can do two, three, four, five. You know, if this really, you know, you know, goes well. And again, I, I admit I have not looked at it at nearly as with, with a jeweler's eye so to speak, but I just have to assume that particularly them, because that was pretty early in their career, uh, they had, I, I'm assuming they had to think like, hey, we got one shot at this, let's do it, and if we don't do another one, it's good enough. There's a finish that everybody feels like kind of ended well. But again, do I know that? No. No, I I'm, I personally am pretty sure that uh, when the Wachowskis came up with this, you know, I, I believe they wrote it, or at least they teamed up closely with the writers that wrote it. Yeah, uh, and again, that's an homage to a lot of other things that they liked, such as Hong Kong kung fu movies and uh, you know, and Japanese anime and such. Uh, I always had the feeling that it, this originally was designed to be a standalone. It's what it is, and then when it became such a hit, because you know they had done they'd done Assassins and Bound. I mean, those are both small movies. This they got a good budget. They, and this thing was very successful. Uh, and I think they just, like so many people, you know, they had, you know, I mean, there was a framework to expand on, but I don't think that it was really designed to be the start of a, of a trilogy. And then, you know, after that, uh, you know, they've made a, a batch of movies. I mean, not tons, but, you know, every other year or so, they, Crank one out. V for Vendetta is probably their next, aside from the Matrix movies, is probably their biggest 
uh, you know, in terms of box office hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, sadly, a couple of years ago, they did that Jupiter Ascending, which was getting all this buzz and then sort of just crashed and burned and got, you know, Raspberry Awards and everything else. They also did Cloud Atlas. Which was which, supposed to be a big movie in terms of critical, I believe. Cloud Atlas is reminiscent it. of our initial response to this. I watched Cloud Atlas and I just had to walk around going, what the hell was that? And I don't get it. I mean, I just, I've watched it. I don't get Cloud Atlas. I mean, I kind of see where they're going, but it's just so metaphysical and beyond but, me. You got to think so hard. I, I, I don't know. But once I understood that the movie was little vignettes about different times and eras, and I'm thinking, I'm like, nah, it's probably not yeah, for me. Yeah, it is. With the same characters being like in a multiverse, playing different mm-hmm. characters, it was again beautiful looking movie. But I, I, I think it's just it just wasn't a critical success. So I mean, I like their work. They're capable of putting out really good original. And again, I, you know, as much as I talk about, you know. For example, Cloud Atlas, you can't say it's a rehash of some other movie. It's it's original. And I'm I'm all for people trying new things. I don't know what they're working on now. I do want to share for Steve. I mean he might have found this in the trivia, but did you know what they got seriously involved in doing once The Matrix came out? I don't remember. They did some computer well, role-playing games, one or the other. Well, they did a lot of computer role-playing games. They got success in that area. There's a lot of money to be made, probably more money made in computer role-playing games than there is in movies. Uh, no, they teamed up with John Milius to make King Conan. No, I didn't uh, know that. In the early 2000s, that was a real thing, and then it broke up with creative differences and things of that sort. But we might have, they had Schwarzenegger, you know, agreeing to do it and all. And they were working on, you know, a Conan movie, which would have been pretty awesome, I think. Yeah, Conan, per the books, would have been about 40 some odd, um, early 40s, I think, when he was king, I believe. And that's, that's about when Conan officially They would have been doing it. But anyways, yeah, that, that's all I got to say. I wanted to, I wanted to talk a little bit with the Wachowskis because, I mean, Obviously, very original, a very original pair. You know, grew up playing stupid D&D games and RPGs, sort of like me, only I mm-hmm. don't have their financial success, sadly. Uh, but they've also had some mixed success lately. And I'm hoping that they get their groove back on and, uh, you know, put out something exciting and original because they've done it in the past. Well, I Steve, think- I'm going to back up a little bit. You said you saw this movie with Mark. Yeah. And I could just see Mark walking on this movie going like, what the yeah. have I just watched? And yep. Mark's usually first impressions are his only impressions. He, he doesn't, and again, I, he doesn't usually go back and watch a movie. It's like, oh, I get that. I like it now. I mean, has he changed his views of this movie? I'm, I'm pretty Based sure, on what you know? I'm pretty sure last time I was down there, he's got the, uh, the DVD set. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure. And, and again, Mark, Mark, when you listen to the show, Text me and let me know if I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure, um, well, let's put it this way. I think he's warmed up on it because he wouldn't have recommended it. Cause he's okay. the one that, cause I was like, all right, when I knew he was going to be out of town and he you know, asked if I could pinch it, I'm like, ah, let me see what's on Netflix. And, uh, cause Mark's usually kind of a gut guy. His first gut response is what he sticks to. It doesn't usually what, change a whole lot. Yeah. And when he said yeah. he goes, Matrix is streaming, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I, I forgot because, um, That's right. It's his idea. 
Actually, oh, okay. you, you guys would have been shocked at the uh, the one that I was going to do. So, what? It was. I got to. I got. I got to know. It was going to be my first documentary on the Man Cave movie. I have no idea, man. Pumping Iron. I've never seen it. it that's I, been streaming for on and off for a long time on Netflix. Yeah, I I have been dying. I, and, and that would have been one like during the time because I would have never made anybody like I'm not going to make anybody buy it or rent it or whatever. But when it was streaming, I'm like, you know what? That that would be the one I would do. This documentary because I it won awards. I think I don't know if I won any awards, but it was. Um, and again, going back, I was back in the day. Uh, I was big when you were pumping. I wasn't pumping that much. I was never going to be a bodybuilder. I didn't have genetics. But um, I, I remember when I first saw this movie, and I watch it now. I literally probably watch this movie about every couple months. And it's funny, my daughter watches it, she, and she loves it, too. She's like, oh, it looks so cool back then. It's like she just liked the, the look. It's like the, you know, this is like in the mid-'70s. And, um, uh, and, and, and honestly, because I was about ready to mention Pumping Iron, and he said, well, The Matrix is streaming. I'm like, oh, shit, well, we should do that, so. But you know, if Pumping Iron stays on there, and if he can't do another uh, another show, um, I'm going to say that Mark picked this movie. I get to pick the next one. So my next one will be. Pumping I've, Iron. I've always wanted to see Pumping Iron, not because uh, I, I'm, I, I, you know, just because when that movie came out, and again, it was very, it was a very talked about documentary when it came out, and that was before Arnold was Arnold, so to speak, if I'm not mistaken. It was Arnold, but it was. It was talked about, and it was a very prominent movie back at that time. I never saw it then because, you know, first off, we didn't have all the access to crap that we do today, and I just never watched it since then. But I know Pumping Iron was a significant movie in its time. Or a documentary. Yeah, it's a documentary. I mean, if you're into the the genre, you know, it's fantastic. So, like, for me to watch it now, and I see guys there. And even when I, I remember when I first saw it, it was in the, uh, God, probably in the mid-80s. And it's like, oh, God, I recognize that guy, I recognize that guy. And these are, you know, guys that never really made it to the top. But I bought all the muscle magazines and all this stuff. So, anyway, not not to go on, on a rant on that. But, yeah, it's, like I said, if we're going to pick another one, and if it's my turn, we're going to do that if it's streaming. So, all right, uh, we're going to move on. So let us move on to, uh, let's see, uh, brother, what you drinking? And let's go through this, guys. Just let us know what you're drinking. And, uh, except for Ken, because Ken has his special moment. Uh, Brian, how's the Pruno going? Uh, well, you got a girl going, so can you even drink? What's that? I mean, you've got, well, the- have you been watching me? No. Did you guys I- see me on this? All I see is, uh, this big hairy wrestling guy. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's all. I, I hit the button for the camera, but apparently it's not working. No. I'm doing my fairly typical. Uh, again, she just walked out of the room. Diet cokes <laughs> and uh, you know certain shots of a certain potato-based thing. I was going to do my four loco, but I like I said, I didn't want to wake up with. Mules and strippers tomorrow morning. So, all right. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. I am going to be doing um, a uh, toast here to the Left Hand Brewing Company. These are a. Uh, it's an Indiana group. See that, guys? 
Very yes. nice. Yeah. Uh, it is a, it's their Mars and Lager. It's an Oktoberfest with the nice Bavarian flag. I'll tell you what, it's, it's solid. It's a, it's a good Oktoberfest. Uh, not, not too malty. Where are they from? In Indiana. Um, oh god, I know there's gonna be a quiz. Okay, you know what? Never mind. They're not out of Indiana. Obviously, they're out of Colorado. I should have known something when I saw Rocky Mountain water as part of the ingredients. So, all right, we don't have Rocky. That, that, that was Rocky Ripple water. <laughs> I was gonna say we don't have Rocky Mountain water here. In okay, so my mistake. Left Hand Brewing is out of uh, Colorado. I stand corrected. Obviously, I had too many uh, Oktoberfests from uh, Left Hand Brewing. But no, solid beer. Very, I liked it very much. All right. As somebody who's not a connoisseur of, of beers quite like you and, and, and others, is, does the Oktoberfest beers, do they come out like starting in September, or, do they, or are they just available any time? No. Are they seasonal? I'm assuming they're seasonal, right? Seasonal beer. All right. Well, there you go. And uh, let's see. There's uh, last and certainly not least. It's now time for Catching Up with Ken. The classical theme. Ken, talk to us. What do you got? Barry White. Barry White is my spirit animal. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I picture you both wearing feathers and dressing Indian motifs sitting in a sweat lodge together. You don't want to see me sitting in a sweat Doing peyote. Yeah. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, I've, I've been pretty busy. Uh, I'm not going to even run down on everything I've done, but uh, some of the highlights have been I uh, had a fundraiser dinner slash wine tasting at the Connoisseur Room. And uh, Chef Joseph prepared the food, local chef, well-known. Uh, and I just like saying the connoisseur room because it sounds so sophisticated. And actually, it's a pretty swanky place. Uh, I was kind of bummed out. Last night, they had the Leisure Kings, a local lounge lizard act, was appearing there. And I was hoping to get there, but I was not able to. Uh, back the weekend before uh, last I had a hiking and eating outing. A group of us went out to Eagle Creek Park and hiked around for a couple of hours. And then went down to Rick's Boatyard, a very nice restaurant, a longtime institution on the west side of town here. Nice view over the lake. We all sat there and, uh, you know, had a very nice lunch. One of my friends, Julia, uh, she had her dog with her. And I found out the dog is, is a German shepherd. And it's a, like, a, it was trained by some Slovakian security service to be a guard dog. It's still totally trained up in that way. So it's like, don't mess with her. I mean, she'll, the dog will eat you up. Uh, took advantage of our devour deals. Our local restaurants here in Indianapolis do a thing a couple times a year called devour where they offer, you know, discounted meal deals. And it's a chance to go to some of the higher-end places you don't normally do every day when you're a cheapskate like me. And uh, the places I've gone on Devour were Salt, a seafood-based restaurant, new place downtown. It was very good. What's my friend Nuria? Uh, 
you know, had wine and fish and, you know, the appetizers and the whole, whole nine yards. And then last weekend, she and I uh, went to Ocean Air, which is another, it's established, it's kind of a national chain, I believe, but it's high-end seafood. Uh, I like it. I just don't go there a whole lot because it is fairly pricey. Uh, last week was the big holiday, Labor Day weekend, and a couple things I did over the weekend. Uh, I did go down to Brown County State Park. A friend of mine was having a camping excursion for this was a big family friendly camping excursion kids and adults and the adults sat around and ate and drank and the kids went and did you know hiking and exploring the woods i didn't camp out i just went down and hung out and had some drinks and you know socialized and uh earlier this week i did have an outing at palomino uh palomino was you know, nice restaurant, uh, had a happy, happy hour deals where you get half price wine. And after Palomino was finished, we went over to the Antelope Club. Have either of you guys been to the Antelope Club? Uh, yes, I have about 25 years ago. You, you saw my comments about the antelope. How was the chip beef? <laughs> I didn't have it. Uh, a thing that I like is, the Antelope Club, if you go back like 25, 30 years ago, I think it's fair to say that it was, there were some movers and shakers back then, but it was, you know, it was not the top tier men's social club. What it's evolved into is sort of a hipster haven. I mean, it's. Oh, God, that's changed. It, there's, there's old farts hanging out in the bar. There's professionals. I know that it's a big Republican Party member hangout. Uh, a bunch of local wheeler dealers like the governor and all our members. But, you know, we were just hanging out in the bar and it was just like, you know, a bunch of 20, 30s somethings maybe for the most part. Uh, but it's successful and it's a cool, you know, old, it, it's a, it looks like they, they decorated it in 1971 and they haven't touched it since. So uh, I would have said 1931 when last time I was there, but well, you know. it probably hasn't been decorated since. Although they did rehab the bathroom, it looked like. Uh, several that said, it, it, it was movers and shakers back then, but it was just geriatric movers and shakers. You know when yeah. I was there. Well, you can tell they've got the pictures of the past presidents on the wall, and they're all old dudes. But then it stops around 1995, and they just stop. Uh, several of my friends have joined recently. I've had friends that belong to it for years. They've been telling me I need to join. It's cheap to join. Uh, I haven't. Uh, next week, I'm scheduled to go back down there for a, we're starting out a bachelor party outing for a guy I know. And we'll start at the Antelope Club and go to other more traditional bachelor party type establishments. Uh, one we won't go to is the Brass Ring. So, And one final spot I went to uh, last weekend, Labor Day weekend, was the monthly bourbon tasting at the Rural Inn, which has gotten to be really popular. Big crowd of folks. Uh, last week, it was uh, Barton. Very old. Is it? I get it. Yeah, very old Barton in 1792. And they also had a selection of beers, including zombie dust, to try out. So 
nice little outing. It's always nice to get out and try some new bourbons and all. So, Jesus, can you eat more high-end restaurants than I've eaten in the last 15 years, just last week? If you would hang out with me more, maybe you could have some nice food, too. <laughs> You're welcome. You and Sheila are always welcome to come tag along with me. I've tried. I mean, I try. Well, we've done it occasionally. Yeah, I'll, I'll get you out again. So, anyways, that's that's highlights of what's been going on with me the past few weeks. Oh, oh, I, 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 tragic, tragic. Just the other night. What did the did the chef have a hangnail? Chef no, <laughs> just the other night. The highlight of all these outings was my sister wanted to have a birthday dinner at the fine establishment known as Cabo up in Westfield. And so I went to Cabo and had Mexican food and all. And then once that wrapped up, I drove down the street to Steve's. Mm. And there was a miniatures game going hot and heavy, Napoleonic miniatures, mm. uh, with him and his neighbors and his daughter's boyfriend and uh i hung out with them had a good time and i i was giving short shrift to steve i've had a busy time but yeah of course my visit to steve was the highlight and steve is a good host he made sure i had plenty to drink although the food had been pretty picked over by the time i got there they'd only been day gaming for like seven hours i was having the dregs of the chips and all but otherwise it was a perfectly good outing steve is always a good host what was that again, Steve? Yeah, I think he's got his, his, his I think he's got his mute on. He doesn't realize it. I've, I've, I've watched his lips move for the last ten minutes, and so not a word. <laughs> What'd you say, Steve? I said I try to do my best. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, so I, that's, I, I, that's I, highlights I, of Ken. All right. Well, th- that's awesome, Ken. Thanks. Yeah, we actually have a very big miniatures game going, and yeah, the food was. Yeah, it was. I I was surprised by the carnivores that were over there, but uh, well, no, one well, question. Since yeah. I had to leave before it was finally called, uh, did both sides just sort of flee the field? No, or? no. The, uh, the 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 Austrians routed the French, and they're very nice white uniforms. Yep, usually they, right. It was maybe about three turns after you left. It was uh, the French just. I I told them I'm like your morale's broke. They were they were down to like sixty eight percent. I'm like, the I said all you have left that can go in there is the guard, and they're they're shaky. So, yeah he he got he got beat up pretty bad, and and I I'm not taking any shit about this one because I balanced both armies very well. No, both when I was there, both sides were getting big licks in on each other. Yeah. So. Yeah, the I, I'm not surprised by that, but I'm—I I was getting of the opinion both sides were to throw it under guns and give up. But anyway, Clear, clearly, historic anomaly—you know—with the Austrians actually beating the French. Absolutely, didn't happen. No, nope. very—I don't know when it happened to be honest, but Please unless see. the Austrians were at Waterloo. All right, there you go. Uh, that's it with uh, brother. What you're drinking and catching up with kids. We're going to move on to clips. Clips, one of our favorite parts of the show. And uh, folks, I just heads up. We don't have a lot here because uh, actually there's not a lot of memorable clips here and I was on a uh, 
I was on a time schedule that I couldn't meet. So, all right, let's see. We've got, uh, let's see, number one. That right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole. Hmm? You could say that. You guys heard that, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Red pill, blue pill, right? Yeah. yeah. Getting there. Okay. All right. Let's see. Uh, number two. This is the construct. It's our loading program. We can load anything from clothing, equipment, weapons, training simulation, anything you need. Mm. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, I like this part here. Jiu-jitsu. I'm going to learn jiu-jitsu. <gasps> oh, shit. And Mikey, I think he likes it. How about some more? Oh, yes. And that's when he's, they're downloading all the fighting programs right. into him. And kind of the interesting thing about this is, you know, depending on what age you are, when he said, hey, Mikey, I think he likes it. I mean, that's, that goes back to a commercial when I was a little kid. Ken might have been four or five years older than me, but I mean, it's like, they're, throwing, yeah. yeah, they're throwing in these like really, for this period of time, and probably for a lot of the 20-somethings or even 30-somethings, an ancient reference. What does that mean? Hey, Mikey, I think he likes it. And, and I, I totally forgot, what the hell was a cereal? Was it Rice Krippie? Is it Life. Life, yes. Yeah, give it to Mikey, he'll eat anything. And it's... You know, when was that commercial? Like 1977 was, or something? Yeah, yeah. I mean, 77, maybe early 80s. And like I said, for you to get that reference, you would have to have been a certain age because it's a throwaway reference when he said that. Hey, Mikey, I think he likes it. No, there, there's a couple times in the in the dialogue where they were tossing out basically 70s, 80s pop culture references yeah. and. You know, in reality, is somebody 300 years from now going to know what that was? No. Yeah. But it's, it's written for the modern audience. I'm not going to, it's, it's not enough to like, I shut off the TV and went to bed. But the thing is, Ken, is it because the programmers put that in their head? I don't know. I mean, that, that's where you get into all yes. this stuff. You know, when you think about, is this like 200 years, 300 years? You know how language changes. Did the programmers not change? Well, anything? if we think about it, the Matrix is designed to, you know, perfectly replicate society at man's peak in 1999. Right. And in 1999, yeah, you kind of, you still, average person heard that stuff. So maybe you got a point. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, the last one here, and I like this part. This is all about evolution, Morpheus. Evolution. Like the dinosaur. Look out that window. You had your time. The future is our world, Morpheus. 
the future is our time. Question about weaving. You know, when I did the quote early, you know, the, the kind of altered quote with you earlier, when I listened to weaving, because I was trying to get the syntax down, his, the, I don't know if, you know, actors are actors. And so I got to wonder if weaving didn't get those lines because the syntax is so, you know, like he emphasizes the wrong words. He, you know, he, he stops and pauses in the wrong he is, places. He is Shatner-esque. Yeah. Well, yeah, but Shatner-esque is just is Shatner. Weaving, I suspect, is very deliberate about it. I mean, because it was he was a frightening character just by his delivery. Yeah. And it was because he would pause when you wouldn't expect him to pause. He would emphasize the word that because you know, again, when I when I looked at the quotes, I'm like, I underlined like the words he emphasized. It's it's not the word you would normally emphasize in the sentence. And so it, the whole thing kind of was discordant and, and made you uneasy. And I got to wonder, like, you know, who did that? Was the writers do that or did the actor do that? But but the point is, when he's when we, you got to admit, when he's talking, you're like, you're just leaning in, like, okay, what's he going to say? You know, yeah. you know, he's, you know, and again, I just wonder where it came from. And I, I honestly, I wonder if it's not the actor because sometimes actors say like, "Hey, here's a better way to do this." And uh, but but the way his whole enunciation, what he emphasized, his pauses, would just throw you off. But at the same time, it's intimidating as hell. Nice. Well, there you go. That is it with clips, folks. Um, so now we are moving on to uh, let's see what the hell. It's been a while. So, oh, the checklist, the man cave movie review checklist. Let's see number one. Did anyone go out of a window? Can, I'm thinking. I, I, I'm telling you. Yes. Right now, I know. This is like the definitive jumping the window at the very beginning when Trinity makes that long running leap through that tiny little window. Awesome. Nice. I was going to say, if, if somebody was going to get it, it was going to be Ken. And I suspect there's other scenes where somebody went through a window, but nothing popping to mind right now. They sure went through some brick walls. All right, let's see. Number two, was there a uh, irrelevant female role in the movie? Oh, shit, I screwed that up. I got to do a sound clip. If you want him, come and claim him. Was there an irrelevant female role in the movie? Well, the, the uh, and again, I, I feel bad because she's actually a fairly accomplished actress. Uh, but the blonde actress, uh, they just didn't utilize her very much. Oh, so uh, she played and, Switch? Yeah. yeah, and again, by the way, she is a high-end English actress. Uh, and she's been in some interesting stuff recently. She was in some weird-ass movie I watched recently about a train that went around the world all the time. But anyway, uh, it was a weird-ass movie, but it was it had freaking Captain America in it, who's crazy. But anyway, uh, she, she was Snow not Pierce, utilized. Sir? Yes, I watched that. And she was, remember the the. the Weird kind of older lady in the movie. That was her. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but in, in any event, they didn't utilize her very well. I wouldn't call her, you know, quite the same as what we're talking about. But, but she was, the way they use her, they almost didn't need her, in my opinion. Yeah. All right, let's see. She picked up a nice paycheck. Well, I'm sure she did. All right, next one. Was there a Wilhelm scream in the movie? No, I don't think. 
No, but there was ample opportunity to stick it in if they'd wanted to. Yep. There, oh, God knows. Good. All right, let's see. Next. Could the female this kid role, is cracking me up here. Yeah, could the female role be better played by Tony Katane? You know, you know my thoughts about Tony Katane and how much she is just like, well, just incredible in my seventies and eighties sort of way. But I don't see anybody topping Carrie Ann Moss. Nope, nope, not at all. I don't think Tony Katane has the acting or physical chops. To pull this role, to pull that particular role off. Now, could she have played like hot chick at the discotheque in the early scene? Sure, she could have. Okay. All right, let's see. Next. Was there a montage in this movie? Would picking the weapons off the racks be that, maybe? You know, I, I was going to say, if we're going to do a montage, there's your montage right there. The whole, yeah. And that's... I, 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 don't, I, think, I don't think it was, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of being... It's the closest. I'm being it wasn't long enough to be a montage. All right, let's see. Last and certainly not least. And so it begins. Was there a Babylon 5 reference in this movie? There's a connection. Well, I never actually looked because I was kind of busy, but uh, take it away. What do you got, Ryan? The Wachowskis are, are big collaborators with Straczynski, and they did a Netflix series called Since 8, which I've not seen. Uh, they did it with Straczynski. Again, it's not Bit Bab 5, but, but apparently uh, Straczynski has done a lot of stuff with them. Uh, yeah, not bad five, but there's a there's certainly a connection. There may be an acting connection, Ken, you might have picked up. Or Muncie may be beating on a screen somewhere watching this. Uh you know, saying like, Oh you dumbasses, you know, why did you why why did you how'd you miss this? But but I do know there's a connection with Straczynski. Well, there you go. That is it with um, the checklist and now we're moving on to the review. And guys, just you know, straight out review. No soliloquy, just give me a solid rating on this movie. What do you think? I mean, what I'm saying is a solid rating as you view it now. I really want to hear from you or Ken first. I really do. Ken, you want me to go first? I'll be happy to go first. Yeah, why don't you go first? All right. It was your, kind of your movie, kind well, of. It, it, it actually is my movie because, I mean, Mark recommended it, and I totally spaced off it was streaming. But um, I mean, I enjoyed this movie. Like I said, first time I saw it, it was like, "What the hell?" Um, saw it a second time, and all of a sudden it clicked. And all once it clicks, all the other movies click with it. And I think it's very well written. It's very well directed. Um, acting all around is fantastic, um, especially when you get into the sequels. Uh, I don't care what anybody says about the sequels. The acting in them is just wow. Um, special effects, pretty much what you saw here. Uh, it's solid. It, it honestly, it's it's kind of one of my favorite movies. I mean, I really enjoy this. This is one of those I can pop in pretty much any time and watch it. And um, eight point seven five. That's my review. 
solid movie. It's just, it's a go-to movie for me. I will always watch this movie. Well, I own it. So, if I own it, it's solid. Ken, we'll leave Brian for last, because he's a coward. I am a coward. <laughs> I, I'm not as I, big a nut about this movie. All right, go ahead. I'm, no. I'm going to say, when it comes to my respect for this movie and the people involved with it, it's a 10. This yeah. movie was cutting edge, very original. Yep. Uh, yeah. Spawn sequels, it, it got all kinds of buzz. But in the end, uh, do I like it? Do I, well, I, I don't love it. It's not like my favorite movie. I like it. I can't say I really like it, though. I can't give it like an 8. I'm going to give it like a 7.75 because I almost really like it. But maybe it's just because I really haven't seen it that much. I don't own it. I haven't seen it on cable or anything for many, many years. Maybe I'm just deprived of it, not as appreciative as you are. And also, just one one thing that just hit me is we didn't do top ten. Oh, shit. We can insert it later if you want to do it. Or we can do it after this. doesn't matter. Yeah, we'll do it after Brian's. Go ahead. Okay. Well, mine's going to be pretty short. Ken, I mean, if I could have written what I thought, you you just stated it. I'm pretty much on sync with you. I mean, from from the innovative and, and the, the thoughtfulness side again, I love the fact that they put Plato in here. It's a ten in that regard, but I don't love the movie. I've just never been. It's just you know I don't, and and I and I'm respectful of it. I'm hugely respectful of it because I I think it's a, I think it's it, it's an important movie. Just just because it introduced cyberpunk in a in a pretty meaningful way but i'm i'm probably with you uh 7.75 somewhere 7.5 you're right in there nice there you go steve all right uh and obviously because i've been out of the uh the helm for a while i forgot to do the top 10 of 1999 so um ken take it away i can again we could have skipped it uh top 10 uh 1999 was a good year uh, as is my want, I will toss out a few movies which are worthy of commentary or notice uh, that were not in the top ten. Uh, one of them being Lock, Stock, and Two <laughs> Smoking Barrels. Which I've not seen. Everybody else tells me I should. We did Steve has seen it. Well, we did that one, I think. Yes, yeah, yeah, I was not on that one, but yeah, you guys did that. Is Are you, you sure you did it? Jeff? Go ahead, Ken, continue. Another movie that came out that year, which has influence to this day, I am constantly seeing references to this movie. Uh, it's a comedy, though. We've never reviewed it, but I think it'd be fun to talk about someday. Office Space. Oh, I, I like it, but I, my guess is comedy. split. What'd you say, what'd you say Brian? My guess is we'd be split here, but I like that movie. It's a fun movie. I like it. Uh, another movie that came out that year, which I only recently saw, maybe like two or three months ago, is October Sky. I oh, really like a, That's a great movie. Have you seen it, Steve? October Sky? October Sky. 
it, 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 honestly, it, it, I, I tear up when I watch that movie. And maybe it's just me growing up kind of out in the, out in the sticks. But I love that. Chris Cooper is great as the dad. That's an incredible movie. No, it, I, it's, it's worthy of a man cave review. Well, I, I don't, I, you know, I mean, I, I'd review it just because I love it. I don't know if it's a man cave movie or not, but it's a movie. If I'm a parent, I want my kids to watch that movie. I think it's, I agree. A, it's a big movie. It's a really, uh, it's a true story is even the neatest part about it. Yes. I love that. I adore that movie. Uh, a few other movies that came out that year that I liked uh, was one was a cartoon, The Iron Giant. Another good movie. South it, Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. Never saw it. <laughs> I'm sure I'd like it, but I never saw it. Okay. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan's Sixth Sense came out that year. I've never seen that. It's, you know, I've never seen it. But again, I've not, I've watched some of his movies. It's not my thing. Uh, but moving on to the top 10. At number 10, uh, I saw it. I liked it. Uh, it was funny. It was Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Oh, nice. Where he goes up against Fat Bastard and Mini Me and, uh, she, who was it? Uh, the, the Austin girl was Heather Graham as Felicity Shagwell. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, at number nine, kind of, to me, I thought this was a creepy movie. I watched it. Everybody said it was great. It's, oops, sorry about that noise effect. Uh, wasn't my bag, but I can respect it. It's, uh, American Beauty with Kevin Spacey. Didn't like it. Yeah. It, 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 did that win the Oscar that year? Uh, did it? I, I think it did. Typical American Hollywood Beauty did get the, uh, yeah, it did. It won the Academy Awards as best film. Yeah, I watched. I'm like, yeah, okay. That, that, that's why. That's why Hollywood and I are totally disconnected. Okay. Uh, and number eight was a Bond movie, a a uh, Pierce Brosnan Bond movie. The world is not enough. Is that the Korea, where he was a prisoner in Korea movie, or is that a different one? Uh. No, this was the one where he had to go into Russia and there's a scheme. Oh, it has uh, the fake T-55s posing as T-72s. Or no, something no, like that, no. Right? This, this, is, no. This, this is the one where the Bond girl was Denise Richards. Oh. Uh, I know, no, remember last podcast where I was on my rant about, you know, movies casting prominent female, you know, the, the role of prominent female scientist is always played by the latest hottie. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a movie where Denise Richards was a hottie and she was playing the prominent nuclear physicist. Oh, uh, yeah, she's the only one who survived the uh, massacre in the in the silo or something like that, right? You're, no, you're getting you're getting this and Goldeneye confused. Okay, sorry. Don't watch The World Is Not Enough. Uh, at number seven, a movie which will never be reviewed here, Notting Hill. 
Yeah, you know, I never saw it. Hugh Grant, uh, Julia Roberts. It's a t- touching British romance. Very sensitive. He, he owns a bookstore or something. I just read it. I got God knows I'd never seen it. Okay. At number six, a movie which did get reviewed here. Uh, several of the podcasters just love this movie. I'm okay with it. It's a good action flick. The Mummy. Um, it's a pulp movie. No, it's solid. The the the, the oh, I like it. Yeah, it, that's the Brendan Fraser. And we did that. I think we did that. One. Oh, did you? Oh, we sure. did. Yeah, way back. Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, oh, who's in that? Uh, Rachel Wise, yeah, Brendan Fraser, Brendan Fraser. Oh gosh, I can't remember the other dude. He's a hottie. Well, Who, and the, you know, is sadly, the month was great. I thought it was very good. And then they did the Mummy 2 or whatever. And I can remember Mark going like, oh, you got to go see this. I hadn't seen the Mummy. So Mark took me to see the Mummy 2. He's going, oh, it's so great. It'll be awesome. It's going to be wonderful. And then we watched it and went like, what the hell? This thing sucks. <laughs> so, yeah. The sequel, not so good. At number five, we had Tarzan, the uh, animated Disney Tarzan. Not seen. Never seen it. Me either. And number four. This evening's movie, The Matrix. It made four hundred sixty-three million dollars. At number three, a movie which. I think most, well, financially it did better than the, it's a sequel, but it did better than the original. And I think most people liked it more and more people saw this in the theater than the original. And that movie was Toy Story 2. Where, I think that's the last one I saw. I liked the Toy Story movies I saw, but I only saw the first two. Yeah, uh, you know, Toy Story 2 is where Buzz Lightyear gets introduced. At number two, a movie I mentioned a few minutes ago, did very well. Uh, it was kind of a original, but it's not really my bag. The Sixth Sense. Again, that's a supernatural horror thriller with Bruce Willis. You know what? I got that confused with another movie you mentioned. I haven't seen that one either. And you don't you don't do much, do you? No, it's a like Shyamalan movie, right? Yes. What was the other movie from him you mentioned previously? What? M. Night Shyamalan? I thought you'd mentioned one earlier. He, I mean, he did a bunch. Okay, well, I've not seen it, but I've heard it's really good. Okay. Well, anyways. Moving on to the top movie of 1999. Wow. I saw it in the theater. I think you all probably saw it in the theater. It's one that we like to pretend today didn't really exist. That would be Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. They did a Star Wars movie? <laughs> that doesn't exist. It's got Count Dooku in it, though, of course. No, he wasn't in that one. It's got Jar Jar. That's right. Jar Jar and that is it. That's this is a movie that really featured heavy on the Jar Jar. Uh, I miss it so. 
I, I will. I've I made a reference to this in other podcasts. People that are interested in the Star Wars prequels need to watch the documentary "The People versus George Lucas," and then they can render an opinion. But that's all I got to say. That's the top ten movies of 1999. A good year. All right, folks. That's it with the uh, the top ten of 1999. And um, actually, before I close out, uh, I would be remiss if I did not uh, mention that uh, there's a uh, an author that uh, a lot of us have uh, read throughout the years. Uh, Jared Purnell passed away today. Um, I, I actually heard about. It. Actually, Mark texted me. And, and uh, and said that uh yeah Jerry Jerry Purnell died today and Jerry Purnell was uh, 84 and anybody who has read a lot of military sci-fi i would say Jerry Purnell and guys jump in if i'm misspeaking here but uh i mean the guy was the master of military sci-fi the guy wrote some some really great stuff and i'm you know it's one of those things where you hear about a certain person, you know, he was, he was up there in age, but even when they go, it's like, Oh shit. Um, and a lot of his books meant a lot to me. Uh, I've, I've read, uh, uh you know, the Prince and numerous times and, uh, Molten God's Eye and King's David Spaceship. Those are like all of my favorite novels. I've read them numerous times. I can reread them constantly. Yeah, I've got them sitting on my shelf. I actually had yeah. a couple in my hand just the other day. Yeah. So, I mean, at the War World series. Yeah. I, uh, I, I reread uh, King David Spaceship and the Sparta stuff and the Mercenary stuff probably yeah. once a year. Yeah. It's the same thing. I King David Spaceship is like a once in a year read for me. And the mm-hmm. Prince, the Prince which is a compilation of um, you know, Sparta the mercenaries. It's it's the I read that at least about every other year. Um, I've got this this hardback that's just literally falling apart. I'm like shit. I got to get another one. So it, it I just want to throw out there because I know we've mentioned Jerry Purnell in the past um, in a lot of the shows. Uh, but yeah, he you know he passed away today. God rest his soul. Uh, just probably one of the I, I, again he. He's probably not known as much as some of the other sci-fi authors because, I mean, he really didn't kind of fall in that sci-fi genre. I I don't think, like some might say. Well, I mean, he, you know, the Moat in God's Eye. You know, Robert Heinlein called it the greatest science fiction novel ever written. Yeah, uh, that he he wrote with uh, Niven. He was kind of a Renaissance guy. You know, Star Wars, but you know, on the political side, the whole Star Wars thing with Reagan, Cordell was one of the advisors that, yeah. that came up with that. I mean, he was he was involved. Cornell was a very pervasive influence on a lot of people, but he was often not the point guy. Uh, but he touched a lot of different people in terms of just politics, science fiction, just. Kind of thought in general. He came up with a, you know, kid, you've often referred to Pornell's uh, Matrix on politics, as I yeah. recall. Yeah, the Pornell Axis. It's a yes. political theory way of understanding how people fall politically. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll throw in, 
if I'm not mistaken, I mean, he did this army duty back in the 50s, and then I believe he you know, got his degrees and was like working at M- not someplace like you know Jet Propulsion Laboratory or someplace like that. I mean, some mm-hmm. some high end academic job, and then he be- somehow became got into politics and became like deputy mayor of Los Angeles for a while. Campaign manager for uh, Mayor Bradley, I believe. Yeah, and uh, all this time back then, as a sideline, he started writing stories. And like you said, in the Reagan administration, he was an advisor on the Star Wars and space programs thing that they're doing. In the 90s, late 80s and early 90s, he was very uh, influential in the computer, growth of home computing. He did a, a regular uh, column in Wired Magazine, which was like and, the go-to magazine to get... And, and you know, bite. And bite. Yeah. And so... Again, a Renaissance guy who wrote a lot of good, you know, well, what he wrote as his sci-fi was meant for us. The yeah. guys that do this podcast, <laughs> we, you know, people have a target demographic. We are Jerry Purnell's target demographic. But a lot of good, solid work. I will just say if you wanted to do, if you haven't read any of his work, and you want to read something just short and sweet. Uh, my favorite book of his that's short and sweet is Janissaries. Yeah. It's quick, yep. dirty, good story, I think. And a thing that you may have, listeners may have heard me say a number of times is if Hollywood would just take yeah. and turn, you know, don't get yeah. creative, don't get cutesy, don't just, just take, pick, pick a Jerry Purnell book, turn it into a script, turn into a movie with modern CGI and all, try to stay true to his philosophy and all, they would make bank. But they won't. No. I, I, I met him. I mean, he was at a, a – I, I actually had a chance to meet him almost 20 years ago now. Uh, yeah, about 20 years ago. And I had him sign a couple books. And I had him sign one to my uh, youngest son, whose name is uh, John Christian, his first – two names, which is obviously a very famous character in Pornell's books. Now, it just so happened that my wife's father, you know, my, my you know, father-in-law is named John, but it was not an accident that my son is named John Christian. It was right out of a Pornell book. <laughs> yeah. Now, I was a little embarrassed when I had him sign it because I'm thinking, like, this guy's going to think I'm a weirdo, which I am, <laughs> all right? But I'm like, <laughs> he signed it, I'm thinking, like, oh, he's going to go, this this dude's a sick dude, which well, I am. I have to say, for a number of years, though, I mean, I know, you know, Jerry was in his, his 84, 85, and I know he's had a variety of health issues, and I this is not unexpected news. Yeah. Uh, but it's always sad to see someone who influenced you and did a lot of good work and had a lot of influence go. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. really sad to hear it. Country's a better place because he lived. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, and just to uh, second what Brian said, if you want to read another, like, good book, solid book, Pure Purnell, um, King David Spaceship. It's, it's a great oh, yeah. little book. Yeah, it's a yes. great little book. Quick read. It gives you a really good background of the universe that he's in. And it's, it, it is literally one of my favorite books. So I didn't realize that, Steve, because I, it's one of my favorites as well. Yeah. Literally, I've got a bunch of Purnell books sitting on my nightstand. I mean, I could go on for 
hours about some of the other stuff. But anyway, uh, we're done with that. I just I wanted to mention that because, um, like I said, Mark couldn't be here. He texted me and uh, or he texted all of us and said that uh, yeah, uh, Jerry died today. So just wanted to give that homage to him because I know we've mentioned him on numerous occasions on the show. We're very big fans of him. So just wanted you guys to uh, be aware. But um, anyway, enough said. Uh, so that's it. That's it with the Man Cave Movie Review, episode 212. <laughs> Holy crap, guys. We're still going. All right, uh, folks, stay tuned uh, for our next show. Uh, we're going to be talking about a classic Man Cave movie. Uh, and so t- until then, check us out on our website at mancavemoviereview.com. Uh, you can follow us on uh, iTunes at Man Cave Movie Review. Leave us a comment if you like the show or didn't like it. If you didn't like it, tough. It's a great show. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Messing around. If you don't like it, let us know. All right. So until then, I'm your host. I, I'm sorry. I'm your pinch-hitting host, Steve Michaels, signing off with my very good and dear friend, Ken. I took the blue pill, and it gave me dry mouth, nausea, diarrhea, constipation, and erection that lasted for more than four hours. Brody. You hear that, Mr. Porlander? That (laughs) is the sound of inevitability. It is the sound of the death of this podcast. Oh, my God. Goodbye, Mr. Porlander. (laughs) You know what? I might have killed it on this one. Who knows? Well done, Ken. All right. And sing farewell, adieu, and avidozean, and hasta la vista, our other good and dear friend, the Reverend Deuteronomy Skaggs. Mr. Wizard, get me the hell out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. All right. Well, there you go, folks. That is it with Man Cave Move Review 212. We will be back for another show. Until then, ciao.